Allow me to take you back a few years. It was the month of May 1798, and the very young nation of the United States of America was in a time of deep trouble. As you probably recall, at that time, 1798, this young nation, the United States of America, had just concluded a very lengthy and costly and deadly war with Great Britain, and the nation was looking to rebuild. However, it appeared that we would have to go to war once again. It looked like the nation of France was itching for a fight, and as far as anyone could tell humanly, there was going to be another war. The president at that time, John Adams, had tried everything. He had tried diplomacy. He had tried sending ambassadors. It seemed that every tactic he tried just made matters worse. And from the human perspective, there was going to be war, and it was going to be disastrous. This new nation was going to be destroyed by yet another conflict. Until May 1798, John Adams presented a new plan to Congress. He professed to be a devout Christian, and he brought a new proposal to Congress, and he said, we need to try something different. I propose we go to prayer. He said, I'm calling for a national day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Congress was in favor of it. Many people were in favor of the idea, all except for Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was the vice president at that time, and he wasn't sure that there was such a being as a God. And if there was a God, he wasn't sure that God answered prayer, and he thought that people shouldn't be required to pray. He opposed the measure, but everybody else was in favor of it. The measure passed, and on May 9th, 1798, the nation went to prayer. There was humiliation, there was fasting, there was calling upon God for his deliverance, and the nation was delivered. War was averted. We never went to war with France at that time. We see something very similar in Psalm 46. Our text for this morning, Psalm 46 in verse 1, is the verse we'll be focusing on today. Bible scholars tell us that this psalm was written as a hymn of praise after a national crisis. The nation of Israel, in this case was in a time of great trouble. There was some kind of military conflict, and God delivered the nation. And then this song was written as a song of praise to God. The nation turned to God. They begged God for his help and his deliverance. He came through, and he was to that nation everything that they needed him to be. Just as in 1798, God was reminding our young nation, I can be for you everything that you need me to be. If you just run to me, if you just rely upon me, if you will just remember me, I can be the deliverance that you need me to be. Would you do me this favor? Would you stand this morning and let's just read this text all together as we get started. This is a little bit unusual, I think, for our chapel service, but it'll help us to wake up and stay focused. Psalm 46 and verse 1. All together, please. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Thank you. Please be seated. Even today, I, I understand that devout Jewish people will recite this hymn as a prayer for the end of all conflicts around the world. You might recall that this psalm was revised and rephrased by Martin Luther in a well-known hymn, A Mighty Fortress is our God. And we look at this text, the whole text is a blessing and encouragement, but especially this verse this morning, who is God to you? God is our refuge. He is our strength, 
a very present help in trouble. And in addition to the nation of Israel, knowing by experience that God could be to them everything that they needed him to be. And in addition to the nation, the United States of America, turning to God and seeing deliverance from his hand. I just ask you this morning personally, is this your testimony written out in this verse? Who is God to you personally today? Is he your refuge, your strength, your very present help? He will be to you everything that you will let him be. First of all, this morning we'll see that God is our refuge. Just taking this verse as it presents itself, God is our refuge. That's our first point today. Second, God is our strength. And finally, God is our present help. First of all, God is our refuge. The text says God is our refuge. If I were to ask you, what do you picture when you think of the word refuge? What comes to your mind? Maybe something like a very strong, fortified building, a place, a place of refuge, which is certainly what this verse in this text is describing. But this word refuge is interesting because it emphasizes an action even more than a place. God is our Refuge And Bible commentators say that this word refuge is actually built on the action, the verb to flee, that is to run away. I think even in English we can hear that refuge. Think of that root word. I believe it's Latin, tempus fugit, time flies, right? A fugitive is one who is fleeing. He's running away from something. A refugee is someone who has run and has found refuge. So the refuge is the place that you run to. Now listen, if somebody is fleeing, you know they're in trouble, right? People don't just get up and flee for no cause, no reason. If they're fleeing, there's trouble. They're looking for safety. I recall one time several years ago, my family and I were in Annapolis, Maryland. We were at the Naval Academy. We were there attending a graduation, and uh, General Norman Schwarzkopf was the speaker. So that was right after the time of the Iraq wars, and he was a popular, well-known figure, also somewhat disliked. Security was very high. And I recall as we were walking around outside the, the stadium, we saw a man running our direction, obviously fleeing. He looked strange. He was dressed in a strange way. He was running from something. Sure enough, a moment later, a whole bunch of security personnel ran around the corner chasing. They tackled him, slammed him up against the wall, grabbed the backpack that he had been carrying, began to pull things out of it. My dad said, you know what? Why don't we go the other way and avoid this situation? We didn't know the man. We didn't know what was happening, but we were quite sure it was trouble. This is a common human experience. We all face times of trouble and we're looking for a place of refuge, a place to flee to. Even in this psalm, we see this idea repeated. Look at verse 7. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Look at verse 11. The God of Jacob is our refuge. It's a refrain, obviously, in this poem or this song. It's a refrain that's repeated and it's, it's a refrain in our human experience as well. In those verses, verse 7 and 11, incidentally, the word refuge is a little bit different word. Those words actually emphasize the place, a very high, strong fortress, a place where when you run to it, when you get to it, you are untouchable. I think about if you're playing softball and you're running the bases, you want to touch that base. You want to make it to home plate. And if you do, you can't be touched. You're safe, the umpire says. 
The refuge is the place we run to when we're in trouble. Now listen, we all run. We all run. The question is, to what or to whom are we running in times of trouble? And I believe your situation, your time of trouble is probably different than the gentleman who is running outside of the stadium being pursued by security. But we all run to something. We all have a natural propensity to run to something that for us is going to be a refuge. People have their coping mechanisms, the things they rely on to help them feel a little bit of sense of security and stability, to help them to feel better. And it might be easy for you and me this morning to point a finger to somebody out there and say, wow, those people who run to the tavern in order to forget, those people are in serious trouble, aren't they? They're doing the wrong thing. But we all run. So what are you running to? If it isn't God, it isn't really a refuge. And you're just going to keep on running. I know adult age people who run and run and run constantly. It's as if they're on a treadmill. It's as if they've been running their whole lives and getting nowhere. Not finding what they're looking for. God is our refuge. But we have to run to him. And what I'm saying to you this morning is God can be to you everything that you will let him to be. He is that strong high tower, that fortress where if you find him, you will be untouchable if you will run to him. But you have to run to him. I think of a child who believes just for a moment that he's independent. Kids are like this. They grow older. They, get, uh, they, they develop more and more skills. They're able to do things they weren't used to, they, they couldn't do before, and now they're bigger. They can swing on the swings without help. They don't need somebody to help them or hold them or push them. They can ride the bicycle now. They don't need anybody's help. And off they go when they're playing. And to look at them, you wouldn't think that they even had such a thing as a mom or a dad. They're just blissfully independent, happy, playing, until suddenly they fall and they get hurt. And I think sometimes you and I, we immerse ourselves in the distractions of the world and God allows us to fall so that we remember him and run to him. And you can just see on that child's face as if uh, in a moment of time, all the cares of the world come upon them and (laughs) they've forgotten the swings and they've forgotten the bicycle. They look around, all they want to find is mommy or daddy. That's all they care about in that instance. And they run and their parent scoops them up and holds them. And it's an amazing thing. I'll tell you this, to be a parent, to hold a child who's troubled, he's crying and he's frightened, and to just hold the child and suddenly it's all okay. He's with daddy, it's fine. And to see that child go from being blissfully independent to suddenly gladly dependent. And can I ask you, are you gladly, happily dependent upon God, your Father? The spirit of our age is a spirit of independence. Try harder. Be better. If you can dream it, you can achieve it, and all this kind of thing. Are you happy to be dependent upon your Father, to be in His arms? Do you look for Him instinctively and immediately in times of trouble. Here's a good verse, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10. 
The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. The troubles that you're facing today, are you running to God? Are you running somewhere else? Number two, God is our strength. See, God will be everything that we need him to be. He will be our refuge. He will be our strength. But we need to remember him. God is our strength if we will only rely upon him. Now, I don't have anything really surprising to say to you about the word strength in this text. It's exactly what you would think it is. It means strength, power, might, something like that. But the way this idea is presented is a little bit unusual. Notice this text doesn't say that God, who is very strong, helps us along in our time of trouble. Or even God, who has infinite strength, shares some of his strength with us in time of trouble. This verse quite literally says that God himself is our strength. One commentator said this, His strength is as if it were our own. We may feel as safe in his strength as though we had that strength ourselves. That is the basis of our confidence, as really as though the strength of God resided in our own arms. But this strength needs to be made personal. Let me ask you to turn to Psalm 18. Real quick, turn back to Psalm 18 and let's look at this text. He has all the strength we need, but we have to make it personal. It has to become ours. He doesn't share his strength. He doesn't help us along, as that text says. He himself is our strength if we are connected with him. Look at how personal this text is. Psalm 18, verse 2. Well, the first verse says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Now look at all these personal expressions. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. He is my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Verse 3, therefore I will call upon the Lord. Are you calling upon the Lord? It's a question I want to ask you right now. Are you calling upon the Lord moment by moment, day by day? Every classroom you walk into, when you go through those doors, do you call upon the Lord? What is it that you've done so many times that you don't need the Lord's help anymore? He's got all the strength you need, but you have to make it personal. You have to rely upon him. He will be the strength that you... I, I feel this way. I believe that a lot of the college experience is actually God just helping us year by year to understand how little strength we have. We start off in our college career prepared to try hard and to do well and to really put forth our best effort. As the time goes on, sophomore year, junior year, we begin to realize I don't have as much ability as I thought I had. And hopefully by the time we conclude, we realize, I have no strength at all apart from God. Jesus said, abide in me. Without me, ye can do how much? Nothing. Nothing. God is our strength. I recall a time, oh, well, it's been a couple years ago now before my son became an expert at tying his own shoes. And he was putting on a pair of shoes with the laces, the actual laces, not the Velcro straps. The laces. I said, would you like me to tie this for you? He said, I can do it myself. Kids love to say things like that. It's always entertaining. So I said, go ahead. 
And I just stood to one side and I watched for a minute as he fumbled and I watched for another minute as he struggled and I watched even longer as he continued to try and not succeed. After a few minutes, he looked up at me. I was standing right there. He said, Daddy, can you do it? And I'm happy to tell you, I was able to do it. (laughs) I tied his laces. It didn't take long at all. It did not even tax my strength. As soon as he turned to me, He had all of my strength and ability at his disposal. The shoes were tied like that. And you see, I am afraid that very often God, my Heavenly Father, looks down and says, would you like me to handle that? And I say, I can do this. I can handle this one. This I've done before. And I try and I struggle a day, a week, a month. And I look back up and he's right there. And I say, could you do this? He says, yes. Yes, I can. He is our strength. Do you understand, though, we have to rely on him. He's the refuge that we need, but we have to run to him, not to something else. He is the strength that we need, but we have to rely on him. Are you actively relying on him every moment, even now? Are you in prayer, casting your dependence upon him, saying, God, I need you, I need help? Number three, he is our very present help. I think I know what help is. It's a helper, just as Adam in Genesis found a help, a helper, meet for him, suitable for him. God is our help. This text says God is our refuge, God is our strength, God is our very present help. But what's intriguing about this expression is that it says he is very present. And that's a phrase that I always find compelling, really interesting. God is not just our helper. He's not just present. He is very present. Now, what does that mean? See, I've taught in the classroom for so many years. I know the difference between absent and present. On your attendance sheet, as you're filling that out, you have two options. The student's absent or the student is present. There's not a third option that says very present. Any class monitors in here? Any chapel monitors? Do you you have an option right there where you can mark down absent, present? No, no. Very present. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, let me ask you this. Talk to me now. Do you think, in all my years of experience in teaching, do you think I have ever had any students in the classroom who were very present? What do you think? All right, I'll ask you a follow-up question. We're not sure about that. Very present? What does that mean? Okay, let me ask you this. Do you think that I have ever had any students in the classroom who were present, but just barely? (laughs) Technically present. Present in body, but not in mind or heart. Just sliding in at the last moment before the bell rings, and they are present, but only just, you see. And when the conversation goes on in the classroom and when the questions are asked, they're present, but not very. Okay, I'm not going to name any names, but yes, it happens. (laughs) It happens. Sometimes we have students who are present, but just technically present. On the other hand... Every once in a while, there's a student who is very present. 
what would a very present student look like? Focused, eager to learn, ready to respond. Yes, all of those things. Very present. And this phrase right here is, uh, I'll mention this to you because you're educated people. This is a, a feature of Hebrew grammar that doesn't appear very often in the Bible. It's an interesting expression. It's not very easy to translate into English. It would come across something like this. God, in time of trouble, greatly allows himself to be found. I'll say that one more time. In times of trouble, God greatly allows himself to be found. Now look at this. One commentator says it like this. One who allows himself to be found exceedingly. Uh, that's Kyle and Delich, actually. Another uh, commentator says, A help in distress, he has let himself be found exceedingly. A very similar expression. He's very present. Now listen, when you're in a time of trouble, God is not forcing his attention upon you. God's not forcing you to run to him and to rely upon him for his refuge and strength. But he's right there. Eager to help. You're in a time of trouble that I've graciously allowed in your life. I'm right here. All you have to do is ask. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm eager to respond. I am not going to force my help upon you, but it is readily available. All you have to do is just look this direction. In times of trouble, our God is very present. He greatly allows himself to be found. But we must seek him. We must ask in every moment, all throughout the day, we must cast our dependence upon him. Second Chronicles chapter 15, But when they, in their trouble, did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. Do we remember him? In time of trouble, he is our refuge, but we must run to him. He is our strength, but we must rely upon him. He is very present. He's right there. But do we remember him? As we move, to, move toward the conclusion, I just want to comment on this last phrase in the verse, in trouble, it says. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our very present help. But that all uh, becomes reality. That becomes our experience only in times of trouble. It's almost as if all these amazing descriptions of our God do not become personal to us until we're in trouble. And there's a certain kind of Christian maturity that welcomes the trials and the difficulties that God allows in our lives because those are the times when we know who God really is. I reflect in my personal life and I can tell you there's been a few moments in my life when I knew God was real. Not because Psalm 46 verse 1 says it, but because I experienced his presence. And these are times that I can't even really try to describe to you. But as I think about those times, you know what I realize? Every single one of those times when I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was real and beyond that, he was there. He was right there with me. Every single one of those times was a time of trouble. Sometimes we want to really know who God is in times of comfort. We want things to go well and go right. And that's how we'll know who God really is. It's times of trouble that open our eyes to who God really is. Don't take my word for it. Listen to what George Mueller says. Here's a quote. George Mueller himself said, the only way to know strong faith is... Now I'll pause right there. George Mueller's speaking to us, and he's going to tell us how to know strong faith. 
I've heard people talk about George Mueller as if he's the pinnacle, the paragon of strong faith you and I could never hope to achieve. Other people have mentioned George Mueller and said, he's just a man like all of us, any of us can have that kind of faith. But you know, there was a process. And George Mueller says to us, there was a process. Do you want to know what the process is? The only way to know strong faith is to endure great trials. The only way to know strong faith is to endure great trials. I have learned my faith, he said, by standing firm through severe testings. My prayer and my vision is for every single one of you in this room to become mighty men and women of God, men of faith, women of faith, just like George Mueller. That means you're going to have to endure severe testings. It is the pathway. That's when we learn God's strength, when our strength has proved to be worthless. That's when we know that God is a refuge, when we find ourselves in time of distress and even danger. That's how we know that God is very present. He's right there. He's real. When all the other attractions of the world fall away and they just have no interest anymore. God can be everything for you that you need him to be if you will let him. He is very present. He's right there, but he will not force you to accept his help. He's just inviting you. He's eager to respond. But will you run to him? Will you rely upon him? Will you remember him? I recall reading the book Tortured for Christ by Harlan Popov. He himself found that the time in his life when he knew the presence of God most clearly was when he was being tortured and imprisoned and starved in a communist prison. He said this, quote, tears of joy ran down my face. He's describing a time when he had just been tortured in prison. Here in the prison, alone and with nothing, I had everything. Christ, stripped of everything, without any worldly distractions, I found a deep and beautiful communion with God. Joy and peace flooded my soul. My body ached with starvation, but my spirit has never been closer to God. I was freer in that cell than I ever was on the outside. God's presence surrounded me and strengthened me. It filled me. I will never forget those days. The nation of Israel saw this to be true by experience. God is our refuge. God is our strength. He was our very present help. He did deliver us. Who is God to you? All those things are true and factual descriptions of God. But have you personalized that? Have you found that to be true in your life? Do you run to God or just something else in time of trouble? Do you rely upon God or upon your own experience and wisdom in time of trouble? Do you remember that God is right there, ready and willing to help in your time of trouble?